All right. If analytics are your thing, then this is going to be the episode for you. Chris Gudoris will be joining us today talking about the difference between analytics on the college level as well as at the professional level. So let's hit the intro music and then we will get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside Harry as always. And well, if you're a longtime Side Retired listener, you will remember that back in the summer, we interviewed Dylan DeLucia of Ole Miss Baseball. So now it's kind of like part two of our Ole Miss series we were having on Chris Gudoris, who's the head of analytics for Ole Miss Baseball. So Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Awesome. So obviously Harry and I are huge analytics guys, and we love talking about analytics from the baseball perspective, but figured this is more of an expert experience or of an expert perspective on what analytics are like, getting the perspective of both college level and the major league level, because Chris has an interesting baseball story to tell. So Chris, how about you just open it up with people who don't know you? Who are you? So I'm currently the director of analytics at Ole Miss, um, obviously coming off a very exciting year, just won the national championship. Um, my background kind of started out out of college interning in pro ball. So with the Mets for two years, Phillies for one, and at a company called Sports Info Solutions that does a lot of uh, data work that they sell to teams. Um, so that's kind of my background. Um, was never really a college sports guy growing up. Grew up in uh, Long Island, New York, um, where you know college sports aren't as big as they are down here in Mississippi, um, SEC country and all that. Um, but fortunately for me, uh, five years or so ago, um, going into the 2018 season, Ole Miss was trying to kind of bridge the gap where um, the SEC was starting to take in some of the pro baseball analytics mindset. Um, a lot of new technology, looking at new metrics. That was like the whole, you know, spin rate had just become a big thing uh, in the mainstream, uh, vertical break, horizontal break, all the stuff that's kind of now become more and more mainstream was just breaking the college then. So uh, Ole Miss at the time was looking to bring someone in that had an analytics background from pro baseball that had been working with it for a few years and kind of bring it to the program here. And so that's when I was hired 2018 to kind of uh, be that analytics guy and uh, help break down track man data, work on advanced reports on other teams, uh, look for pitcher strengths and weaknesses, things like that, kind of incorporate them into uh, what Coach Bianco had already built as like a great system here and kind of bring that new piece to the puzzle uh, in 2018. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I've uh, been here for five years and really enjoying it. Yeah, and, and going a little bit deeper into your role, how would you say that it really differs from, you know, working in the professional scene? Because, you know, you worked both within the Phillies and Mets organizations to where you are now at Ole Miss. And is there any real major differences, whether it be just in your role or kind of the things that you do, some of the focuses that you have, Anything like that? Yeah, I think uh, in pro ball, there are so many people like the the offices are so full of people that do little different things here. It's kind of a smaller, tight knit office where it's kind of me and a bunch of you know student workers that kind of run everything. Um, it's way more hands on where I'm talking to Coach Bianco every day um, or Coach Lafferty about pitchers and making changes. Um, it's kind of all, you know, tight knit family atmosphere. Um, as far as how we actually use the data and stuff, uh, 
for the SEC, at least, I think it's pretty close to uh, the same stuff. Um, we're fortunate enough. We have a big enough budget where we can get all the technology we want, look at different things. Um, I think the biggest obstacle in college baseball is some of the teams that we play uh, don't have what we have, which may seem like an advantage. But there are times where it's a disadvantage. We're playing a mid-major team. Um, and in the SEC, we're in a data share where we get trackman data from all the other teams. And we can look at, you know, this pitcher is breaking ball, does this, or you'll pick it up out of hand real easy, um, or their fastball has this kind of profile to it. And then we'll play a freshman from Memphis that we don't have any trackman data on. And so our hitters are so used to getting the feedback of this guy's a rising fastball or a, a breaking ball that's really up out of hand, so you'll see it early um and be able to tell them that but we'll then face you know freshman pitchers early in the year where we don't have any data on them and it's kind of a, a little bit of a shock to them so there's definitely some uh some pros and cons of being the the team with all the stuff uh and or the team without all the stuff on a scale of one to ten how would you consider Ole Miss right now to be like on in terms of you know analytical progressiveness you know how analytically progressive would you say that Ole Miss right now is comparative to the rest of the college baseball landscape on a scale of one to ten uh obviously I have to say ten <laughs> guy, so <laughs> if I say anything other than ten um I feel bad about myself so I, I'm gonna say ten but I'm gonna put kind of a caveat to that I think there are other programs that may have more stuff than we do like may have a force plate mound that we don't yet have or certain technologies that we don't have However, I think the way that we go about doing what we do, uh, I think is as good or better than anyone else. Um, obviously, I have to say that. But at the same time, we have kind of a system in place with especially our pitchers where it's like kind of a three-step process. Um, and we think it's best for college where we'll get a pitcher here. And the first step for them is kind of get them to perform exactly as they did in high school, which can be tough, you know, coming to college to go from playing you know, in front of 50 people to 12,000 people here at Swayze, um, where not everyone functions the same. There's nervousness. They're not letting the ball go the way they used to. Uh, we'll see guys that throw 95 in high school, throw 90 here just because they're they're scared. Um, so the first step is just to get them to perform like normal. Uh, so that's when we're kind of gaining all the data, trying to look through it all. Um, second step is to get them to just perform the way where we can have kind of a foundation to build upon. So for us, one of our big target goals is to throw every pitch for 60% strikes. So that's not this big, super, like, have this spin rate on your pitch. It's just 60% strikes. All your pitches kind of have something to build on. Um, once they get to that point is when we can really start tweaking pitches to get more movement or better movement, uh, things like that. And so I think the system we put in place um, – works really well because it's not one size fits all it's targeted specifically to each pitcher here's what you do well here's what you don't and then go from there as opposed to i think there's a lot of schools that have a ton of technology that they just want to use it all right away and kind of throw it at everyone and try to make all the changes that they see you know the yankees talk about on the broadcast hey we did this with this pitcher and so everyone wants to throw a super sweeping slider um when you may realize that hey the way the ball comes out of your hand you're better off throwing a tighter uh, slider with less sweep or hitters pick it up less. Um, and so I think we've grown as a program to kind of understand our strength is to recognize what makes a pitcher good, um, build that foundation, and then go from there. Um, and so I think our approach is what sets us apart from other programs in the country.
Awesome. And then knowing sort of I do something similar with Georgetown and that we're working with analytics, trying to get um, that involved more with the program. But one of the key things, slash one of the hardest things, at least for us, is always there's a group of analysts and probably like yourself, you crunch a bunch of numbers, you find a solution, you know, you realize, oh, he's not spinning his slider enough. He's not gripping his fastball in the right direction. So how can you then take those findings and apply that or go tell a player slash go tell coach about that? Because obviously there's some guys who are probably really receptive to that and will be like, that's cool. I'm going to do that in my very next bullpen session. And then there's guys who are probably like, I'm on the field. I'm going to do things my way. I'm not listening to the numbers. So how does that balance sort of work out? I know Georgetown is an interesting balance, but especially at a school like Ole Miss where you have some of the best of the best players in the country and sort of they've been always amazing at baseball and might not need analytics or in their heads. Yeah. So, uh, it's kind of crazy you ask that because a lot of times it's actually more the other way mm-hmm. where a guy comes in, they're good, but uh, they want to do something. They know that we do stuff with other pitchers and they, they're like, oh, why why am I not doing something? You have to kind of explain to them, no, you're you're good where you are. <laughs> um, so that's kind of more of a challenge when we get then guys are, hey, you need to do this, and then they don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. But the first thing we do every year, uh, I think it's really important, uh, is we have a team meeting with our pitchers. And we sit down, we have a PowerPoint where we kind of explain the basics of here's what induced vertical break means. Uh, if you're looking at a scatter plot, uh, all that, you know, you don't want to be, you know, 16 inches of vertical break, 10 inches of horizontal, that's bad. You want to be away from that. There's the basics. Um, this is what it means if you break balls up out of hand. Uh, all that stuff, all the basic stuff. Um, and give them some examples of guys that have come through our program and some of the changes we've made with them, whether it was, you know, switching between a four seam and a two seam fastball or telling someone to tighten up their slider. So it was less up out of hand, harder to pick up, um, adjusting the tilt on someone's fastball and try to get more ride to it. Uh, all the things that we've done in the past specific pitchers that, Hey, here's what they did before we made the changes. Here's what they did after. And it worked out. And this is why. And so we kind of have that uh, Taylor Broadway was a pitcher. We had we set our school stage record a few years ago that had like a six ERA, uh, he had a lot of hard contact his first year. And all we really did with him was we adjusted the tilt on his fastball where it went from like a one o'clock tilt to a 12-30 tilt and the vertical break went up like three inches. Um, and so we can show them all that data. And then if we have a pitcher with a flat fastball in the program say, hey, we're going to do exactly what we did with Broadway with you, it's a lot easier for them to buy in and say, oh, okay, I remember that part of the PowerPoint, I understand. Uh, tell me what I need to do so I can get there too. So I do have to ask though, because he is a friend of the pod, have messaged with him a couple of times. Dylan DeLucia obviously had a ton of success mm-hmm. with you guys. You were definitely part of the program when he was there this past season. So do you remember anything in particular working with Dylan? Uh, Dylan was unique because he was, he was good when he got here. Um, and I don't know how to put this politely, uh, <laughs> he was just a little foolish with some of the stuff he would do. Like his stuff was good. Um, his command was good, but he would do stupid things in the middle of a game. Like uh, try to throw the ball 95 miles an hour when he's, you know, he can throw 92 and spot up and then throw a fastball down the middle that gets hit 400 feet. Um, and so for him, it was just getting him to be more comfortable on the mound. Um, so some things about Dylan that make him really good, uh, really low release height. So really good vertical approach angle. So his fastball plays well up in the zone. Um, so there's nothing really we changed with him. Like his slider from day one in the fall had like a third highest swing strike rate on the team. So slider was good. Fastball is good. Um, throw strikes. 
It was more getting him to buy into like, hey, you're good enough. Just go out there and pitch like you've always pitched. Um, and him, it took kind of a little bit longer. And there were some outings uh, in the fall, especially where he was just inconsistent. And like we knew he was better than he was in the fall. He didn't perform great. That's why he started out in the bullpen. And then kind of as he got more comfortable and uh, if you've seen a pitch, he's a real competitor. So you put him on the mound in a real game, he's going to lock in better. Um, I think that was kind of his problem was locking in. Um, hopefully he locked in well enough for your podcast. So he wasn't all over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was good. Uh, he was not one of those guys that we needed to make a bunch of changes. He was good when we brought him in. Uh, I was just getting him out there and feeling comfortable. More of a, a trivial question, taking a little bit of a transition to more of the professional scene. You're from New York and, you know, growing up, what were your stances on the, you know, which which New York based team I'm assuming did you root for? And how did that really play into, you know, working for the Mets and then working for the Phillies as well? Yeah. Uh, and vice versa. Yeah, I was a lifelong Mets fan. <laughs> uh, a huge Mets fan. Went to games since I was three years old. Um, I was at, you know. The last game at Chase Stadium, the first game at City Field, uh, 2000 World Series. Um, I, I've been everywhere. So Mets were like near and dear to my heart growing up. So I was kind of always the goal was working pro baseball. Uh, fortunately, out of college, I met someone in school, uh, Bentley University, who had been interning with the Mets. So he got me in touch with someone there. Um, I worked there for two years uh, interning, and it was, you know, a great experience. It was kind of uh, talked about how when I got here, it was kind of analytics were find their way into college baseball. Well, with the Mets, I was in double A my second year. I think that was the first year they had track man in double A. So it was still finding its way to the minor leagues and player development and all that then. So I was in a great spot to be there. Um, I had a great boss, TJ Barra, who's now uh, working for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I made that transition a few years back, but he was really helpful. Um, like the Mets head of R&D that he made sure that, I was working to help, you know, the coaching staff collect all the data and all that, but he would still take the time to, you know, sit in on a half hour phone call, like, Hey, what are we looking at with this guy? Um, funny story. I tell our pitchers all the time uh, with them, 14 and 15, Jacob Tegram, uh comes up in 14 wins the rookie of the year. So really good pitcher, but we're in spring training, 2015. Uh, me, TJ, I uh, was my boss. Um, I'm talking about the pitching staff. And so that was, you know, Syndergaard was coming up to the farm system. They had Zach Wheeler, uh, Bartolo Colon, uh, Stephen Matt's first-round pick, um, and Matt Harvey. So, you know, those are five guys, and DeGrom just won the rookie of the year. And so we're talking about, like, the starting rotation. I remember saying, you know, Baseball America had uh, Jacob DeGrom as, like, the 10th prospect in the system. I'm not sure if he's better than those five guys. So I think he'll probably be in the pen this year. And TJ uh, saying, man, you have a lot to learn. Uh <laughs> And so he talked to me about extensions. So like DeGrom at that time had elite extension, like over seven and a half feet of extension on his fastball. So that just means he's releasing the ball closer to the home plate from the mound. Um, so it gets on the hitters faster. Um, and so that was something that, you know, he took the time to explain to me something that, you know, I didn't understand. Instead of just saying, oh, you're the intern, you don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, he was like, what you need to learn going forward is that there's these metrics that people don't know about. Baseball America does not know what extension is right now. Um, but there's these things that make people great. Um, and so that's kind of how learning from them there. Um, as far as working for the Phillies, I was kind of a bitter pill to swallow, uh, <laughs> at the time I grew up hating them. Um, and so that shows anyone out there looking to work in baseball. Sometimes you're gonna have to, uh, that team that you hate right now that you say you'll never work for, 
uh, one day you might. Um, but that was a good experience too. It was uh, kind of, they were, I don't want to say this, but they were a little behind the Mets in terms of bringing analytics in in like the mid 2010s. Um, and so it was kind of good where I had more background than people working in the Phillies minor league organization did. So I could kind of take what I learned with the Mets and bring it to people that had never really heard it before. So that was a great experience. And then um was never really – I never realized how much people cared about college baseball. You know, growing mm -hmm. up the Northeast, is not really a big thing there. Like it is Mississippi, it's probably on par with uh, college football in Mississippi, you know, us, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, like premier programs uh, where baseball is huge here. Um, like I think tickets for – our super regional game at in Hattiesburg, uh, we're going for like six grand. So uh, it's a big deal here. Um, but I actually had a friend that was uh, talking to Ole Miss about this job that instead got hired full-time by the Astros. And so uh, he's usually the one that said, Ole Miss said, oh, congrats on the job. Do you have anyone else that would be interested? And he gave my name. And so uh, kind of give you a background on how much, how I felt about college sports. Uh, as a kid, I stopped watching ESPN because they covered college football. And I was like, no one cares <laughs> about college sports. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to watch this, but I'm going to watch MLB Network only because uh, it's baseball season. You're talking about, you know, Michigan, Ohio State. No one cares about that. Uh, now I know otherwise. Uh, but um, so it was kind of really a blessing that I could, you know, come down here. Uh, something that wasn't even on my radar. Uh, just kept an open mind. Looked up uh, some videos of the beer showers here and uh, knew this is what, where I wanted to be. Uh, knew people love baseball here and – happy to be here and in a way this sort of championship pedigree has kind of followed you in your career if that means you were with the 2015 Mets obviously you had the championship last last spring and then obviously well technically you weren't with the Phillies now however they were technically in the World Series this past season which probably some analytics to thanks for that although <laughs> I don't know if maybe if you're no longer with the Phillies you grew up a Mets fan maybe it wasn't the best thing in the world to see the Phillies making the World Series this past season but yeah, I don't think anyone on that team was anyone I worked with uh so <laughs> yeah it, uh wasn't that that big <laughs> but sort of yeah. what is the difference like thinking about working with that 2015 team and making sort of I guess we'll call it the finals or the championship and all that what all that entailed versus you probably had an even more hands-on approach versus this past spring winning a championship in that capacity. Yeah. Uh, 2015 team, I was, you know, kind of a low man on totem pole, like uh intern, but I will say I got to work with like Michael Conforto that season uh, in 2014. I had him mm -hmm. both years. Um, and then I was at, you know, the world series game where I hit two home runs. Um, so that was really cool to see uh, some of those guys that come down, like, Travis Darno came down to rehab. So there were a lot of guys on that team that I did work with, and that was really cool to see. Uh, this was a whole different environment. Like, uh, I, was, I was part of it, you know, uh, in every team meeting, you know, game planning for uh, every game um, along the way. And obviously, I don't know if you followed the season that closely, but it was uh, a wild story. Uh, there's a movie out if anyone wants to watch it, uh, Belief, on our, our season. Uh, it's on YouTube, so it's free to watch. Um, but, you know, we were – like the fifth ranked team coming to the season week four and five were ranked number one, in the country. Uh, so really, really good. And then we lost like six weekends in a row uh, and, and like fell out of the rankings. Uh, we're seven and 14 last place in the sec um, and kind of rose up from there and uh, went on a wild run to, you know, win it all. So uh, it was really like a, a storybook tale to be part of that, um, you know, growing up, things that made me fall in baseball in love with baseball as a kid 
was watching like uh obviously as a Mets fan you you love the underdog so as well <laughs> a lot of underdog seasons that uh really have a place in my heart but watching like the 04 Red Sox like as a team that uh as a kid that didn't love the Yankees <laughs> um that was one of the things that got me to fall in love with baseball I was watching the 04 Red Sox hadn't won forever um you know knocking off the Yankees after falling behind 3-0 uh win the World Series that's kind of like if I had to point to a moment in my life that I said I want to be involved in baseball my whole life that would be it um and so coming here uh part of the re- thing that drew me to Ole Miss was we never wanted to national championship here. And I wanted to be part of that first, uh, that first ride. And so it was great to, you know, kind of have that, that experience that as a kid watching like the Red Sox team, you know, you dream of that dream of like, I'm going to be part of that one day. And then to kind of be part of a similar story here was, uh, was outstanding. And, you know, kind of beyond this, what's, you know, 30 years from now, what do you envision yourself kind of looking back at the pinnacle of your career? Or what do you envision yourself doing at that point? Do you want to kind of stay in the college scene and conquer that field? Or do you want to, you know, kind of follow what you mentioned, your what you want to do as a kid and work professionally? Um, or have you just really not thought about that a whole lot? Uh, no, I get asked that a lot. It's a great question. Um, there's, there's one thing I've learned from my, my experience, my journey, it's that uh, you never really know what's going to happen. So uh, I try not to think too much. Like, uh, so as a kid, I would tell you I would be the GM of the Mets, and that's what <laughs> I'm going to do, and uh, you're not going to tell me otherwise. Uh, now I look and I say, like, and that job would be really stressful. I don't know if I'd ever want to do that. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Working in college is such a uh, better uh, lifestyle. You know, it's 56 games as opposed to 162. Uh there's no off season arbitration and trades. Like you get a lot more time to kind of decompress and it's a better quality of life. Um, and if you work for a program like Ole Miss, people care just as much as they do um, about a pro team. So um, I don't really know. I, I love working in college. Um, I'm really happy here. I like it. Obviously. So then the show is technically called side retired, which is a baseball term for most people probably know, but Three outs on the side is retired. So we would tend to end an episode in an interview with three kind of fun, kind of quick hitting questions if you're ready and you want to go for it. And we can give you these three rapid fires and then you can be on your merry way if that sounds good. That works. All righty. So the first one that we had, Dylan gave a lot of interesting stories about his time with Ole Miss as a player. However, I'm sure there's a lot of fun memories that you've had probably winning the championship being first overall, but just in general, if you have one cool story from your time with Ole Miss these past couple of years and seasons that you've been there. Oh man, there's so many, um, <laughs> man, I don't really even know where to, where to begin with that one. Um, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot that's going through my mind. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I'm just gonna have to go to um, like our celebration ceremony. When we got back to Oxford. So mm-hmm. we're obviously in Omaha. And so the stadium holds like 25,000 people. But if you're adding those games, you watch on TV, uh, 20 plus thousand were Ole Miss fans. So we have 20,000 people there winning the national championship. Uh, obviously we're around Omaha, uh, have a little fun that night, celebrate, get on a plane, come back. Um, and on the way back, uh, I'm not sure how familiar everyone out there is with the Grove here, like the football tailgating area at Ole Miss. Uh, they say, hey, we're going to get back on the plane. Uh, we're going to fly 
we have to land Tupelo like 50 minutes from here and then bus back to Oxford. And then we're going to walk through the walk of champions in the Grove, like the football team walks through. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sitting on that plane next to uh, coach, coach Bianco. And he goes, uh, man, there were just 20,000 people in Omaha. We're going to get back there and no one's going to be there. Um, <laughs> and so we landed Tupelo and there's like hundreds of people at the Tupelo airport waiting for us to get off the plane. And so he's like, man, well, there's people here. There's definitely not going to be anyone uh, <laughs> in Oxford waiting for everyone. And so we got on the bus. We're driving back. Um, and as we're driving, there are people along Highway 6 on the way back, uh, like outside waiting and like waiting for us to go by, uh, police escort and everything. And he's like, no, there's no way uh, anyone's going to be at in Oxford. Like there's no one left. There are no Ole Miss fans left. They're all in Omaha. They're all at Tupelo Airport, and we get here, and there are uh, maybe 10,000 people in the Grove waiting. Uh, and, you know, working for Coach B, kind of seeing, like, he got here 22 years ago and almost baseball wasn't really a, a prominent uh, thing, so him building the program up, it was really awesome to see him, you know, win his first national championship and just be blown away by how much he's built this program into and how much people really care. Um and like over the last few months, the number of emails that we've gotten. Uh, so my email is listed under Coach B's on the website so that uh, he doesn't get a million people emailing him all the time. So I get a million people emailing me all the time. And so the number of people emailing us about how, you know, the run, you know, like it was the last month they spent with their loved one. They just watched almost baseball and how much it meant to them. Uh, kind of really, you know, puts into perspective how much, you know, how cool it is to be in a profession where, people care and it means so much to people. And I don't say this to be uh, mean, but I went to school with a lot of accountants. Uh, like <laughs> when you're an accountant, like you're crunching numbers and uh, obviously the company you work for really appreciates it, but it's not touching people's hearts the way that this job does. And so kind of puts in perspective how fortunate I am to be in this role. Absolutely. It shows baseball is a lifestyle and it is always yep. going to be part of you as a grind. The second one we had for you sort of similarly before you got to Ole Miss, the New York Mets were probably your lifestyle growing up. You had the 2000 World Series. You had the 2006 Heartbreak. This is not a lot of fond memories right now. I'm starting to realize <laughs> yeah. that. But yes. your favorite player growing up, obviously mine, David Wright, I grew up a little bit after you, but your favorite player growing up as a Mets fan? Uh, would probably say Jose Reyes. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go uh, a couple of un unsung heroes that uh, i was kind of the underdog guy uh so mm -hmm. mets in general um but ty wigginton really always liked him a kind of a grinder uh ball player hits some homers um and then john main i had a john main jersey uh <laughs> 2006 playoffs uh met him he did an autograph signing on long island once um so those were two two of my favorites but jose reyes just is uh i was more of a race than a right guy uh, uh -huh. <laughs> Uh, Weird yeah. to think, Reyes and Wright are on the Hall of Fame ballot next year, which means that they've been retired that long, which is just crazy yeah. to think about that time has flown that quickly. Yeah. The third and final one that we had for you is a question that my coach asked me recently, and I didn't know how to answer it. So I'm hoping that you might okay. be able to give me an answer that I can eventually say, here's my answer too. And that was, he said, you're a big stats and analytics guy. What is your favorite statistic? I had zero clue how to answer that because there seems like there's hundreds of possibilities and just, I don't uh, know where to go. Yeah, there are hundreds of possibilities. Um, 
So I think I'm, I would go with something really simple. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, probably I would just go strikeout to walk ratio. I know it's not the bet, like strikeout percentage, walk percentage is better. But I think strikeout to walk ratio is uh, something to look at real quickly um, for both hitters and pitchers. And kind of a, it's an underlying stat where a lot of traditional people will miss it. Um, but I think it shows, you know, for a pitcher or hitter, like true talent level, basically really easy, really quickly. So I would go with that. Uh, <laughs> hopefully that's a good enough answer for your coach. <laughs> I like it. Obviously, well, Harry, unless there's anything else you want to throw in, getting the nodding heads that we always do at the end of episodes. But Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate all the time, the insight, the laughs and the fun. No problem. Thank you for having me. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the NFL and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, that was a great episode talking a bunch of analytics with Chris just now from the major league level as well as the college level. Obviously, a lot of winning has been in Chris's history, whether with the 2015 Mets or as well as winning it all with Ole Miss this past season in the college baseball level. Definitely make sure to check out all the insight that Chris just said, as well as follow along with Ole Miss baseball season coming up in the spring, as well as my Georgetown Hoyas as well. We're working on analytics and stuff as well, but definitely make sure to check out all of our recent episodes here at Side Retired, a big announcement upcoming in the next couple of days or so. So definitely make sure to check out the Twitter and the Instagram for more fun content. The off season is rolling. So until the next time, the side is retired. Retired.